0: Good evening to all of my fellow fans of those savages in the box. How the hell are you? Welcome to episode 11 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this nice Sunday evening, September 1st, 2019, what a week it has been in general, and what a week it has been for the Yanks. I'm still so freaking pumped about that Mike Ford walk-off, for the love of God. Here is Ric Flair to basically describe the mood of all Yankee fans today after that game. Woo! Thank you, Rick. You've done your service for the day, but, <laughs> but before we get going with episode 11, I do want to get a little bit serious right now, because, of course, you know... Hurricane Dorian, the really, really powerful hurricane that is making its fast path towards Florida right now, is really, really making way and gaining strength constantly, and I really wanted to just quickly wish all of those who are in the path of the devastating hurricane the absolute best. I hope you remain safe, and please, please be careful. I just saw footage on Twitter earlier of what the storm is doing to the Bahamas, and it looks just devastating. So, please, please be careful. I, myself, have family down in Florida, and they're on my mind constantly, as is everyone in this storm's path. Just please be careful, and you have my thoughts and prayers. It's, it's definitely nothing to play around with, these storms, or nothing to play around with. They're devastating, they're serious, they should be taken seriously, and I just hope everyone in its path stays safe. Really, really scary stuff. So... After that hyped-up finish, we got to get back to being positive and hyped-up after all. So, let's get going by first, as always, giving our shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content, guys. You will not regret it. So after we give Team Left Jab our weekly shout-out, we do know that the next thing we usually talk about here on Yapping Yankees is the weekly Twitter and Instagram polls. So, this week, or today I guess, for this week's episode, I did put up another poll on both Twitter and Instagram for you guys to vote on and even answer to if you want a shout-out on either Instagram or Twitter. It's up to you, whatever you want, or both. It doesn't matter. And I did put up a question this week, which I will tell you in one second what the question was. So, this morning I did post it on both Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter today, for this week, you know, the, the last few weeks on Yapping Yankees, the poll, the polls have gotten 200, 300 votes and a lot of replies, and it's been really good. This week, a little bit less, about 10 replies and and around 100 responses. It's not going to be on fire every week, I get it. So, But it's still pretty decent feedback for this week, especially on Twitter, so... This week's question, do you believe the Yankees will win the World Series regardless of whether or not they get home field advantage throughout the postseason? And of course, I said, remember, if you reply in the comments with the reason for your vote, you'll get a shout out on the podcast, which those of you who did reply will promptly. So, first I'll give you the results so far. The poll has around 100 votes, and right now, yes, the choice, yes. Is leading 62% to 38%, and I and I assume that as long as this poll is still up, it'll get more votes. It'll probably go over 100. But for now, right now, the answers, the the choices rather, are yes and no. And yes is leading by 62%, and no is trailing 38%. So it's clear that most of you on the Twitter poll, at least, believe that whether or not the Yankees get home field advantage throughout the postseason, they're still going to win the World Series. So you got a lot of confident Yankee fans out there. Especially after t- the way today went. <laughs> so, here are the replies to the Twitter poll. You guys are getting your shout-outs at your time. First up, my brother again, Matt O'Leary, at Matt O'Leary NY. P- please check out Matt's content. He does Eyes on Isles podcast. He does everything. He does his own show. It- it's It's great. So just check out Matt O'Leary's stuff. Here's his reply to the Twitter poll. Honestly, think it's a coin flip between Houston and Yanks. Whoever has home field for Game Seven of the ALCS will move on, in my opinion. So Matt definitely does think that home field makes a difference. Very fair to say, especially given how 2017 went, when the Astros at home field against the Yankees. Sean at Sean Young two. Yes, 10 years since the Yankees won. It's too long. I guess so. So I, I guess he he thinks that the Yankees will win regardless, because he did say yes. So I suppose that was his vote as well. <laughs> so next up, built for tough season at makeup mofo. She's so funny. <laughs> After this game and this whole season, I say they can do anything they want. They've already beat so many odds. Let's win twenty eight. Love the confidence right there. C-P-7-N-Y, at C-Pizza-I-A, I hope so, but it will be tough to beat Houston in Houston in a Game 7 because it will most likely be Justin Verlander, who, by the way, pitched no-hitter today, in case you didn't hear, and we know how tough that is. Well, it's very true. The Yankees have been haunted by Justin Verlander for some time now, a couple of years, and Today, you know, it, it, that adds to it even more because Verlander was able to pitch a no-hitter against the Blue Jays. Not his first time in Toronto, which is funny, and it's his third career no-hitter, so congratulations to him. I think we all know that Justin Verlander is going to the Hall of Fame, by the way, and he's just hes just a great pitcher. I've always had much respect for him, so congratulations for him on the no-hitter. Definitely deserved. He's a hell of a talent. Lincoln Lamb, at Lamber the Hammer. I know for a fact they're going to win the World Series, I have a DeLorean. Got it up to 88 miles per hour. Save the clock tower. (laughs) Obviously a big Back to the Future fan. (laughs) Juan Cruz at Juan Vante. It's been a season of adversity. Why quit now because of location? Have the ultimate faith in Tanaka and PAX. Hmm. Definitely fair. I know a lot of people have trouble in having faith in the starting pitching. And they have, they have reason for that, too. I, I definitely understand that. But, you know, this you're on the right track. You're definitely feeling being confident in your team, and that's the right thing to do as well. So, Brad, at Brady Leverio. Have to be confident in the team, but home field could seal the deal for the Yanks. Imagine a Game 7 ALCS versus Houston in Yankee Stadium over Minute Maid Park. The atmosphere will be electric, loud, deafening, and rowdy. I can disagree with you there, Chad. I can't. I'm inclined to agree with you. And Mark Scholl at mscholl05. The Yankees need to get home field advantage at least in the American League. They can't let Game 7 of the ALCS be in Houston. Now listen, I, I'm not going to argue with that, especially because of what happened two years ago. I definitely understand people being concerned about having home field or not when it comes to the Houston Astros especially because how much trouble the Yankees have had in Houston against the Astros it's a fair concern i mean i know there are those of you that love to be confident in this and that and that's fantastic no one's judging you for being confident as a matter of fact i admire you for it and i try to be very confident a lot of the time as well but you can't you really you can't blame people for being concerned about there being a potential game 7 in Houston If there's a Game 7 against the Yankees and Astros to be in the ALCS again, if it's a repeat of 2017, you want it to be in Yankee Stadium. That's just a fact, and I'm not going to argue with anybody that wants it that way. It's definitely understandable. So on Instagram, I did get one reply to the tweet, but the results were more or less the same voting-wise. The question again, do you believe the Yankees will win the World Series regardless of whether or not they get home field advantage throughout the postseason? 79% 79% voted yes, and 21% voted no. So again, lots of confident Yankee fans on, t- on Instagram as well. So, the one reply I got on Instagram, the Dark Knight 025, my friend James Celestin from Twitter, his at on Twitter is at anime soldier one he said, I think so, with the way we have been playing lately, we can obviously... We can obviously have home field. It's important, but this team has a different vibe about them than the last two years. All right, James, fair enough. So those are your, those are your Twitter and Instagram results. So you definitely see that Yankee fans everywhere on both social media platforms, there's no conflict or split on this question for this week's poll. And a lot of Yankee fans are confident. Yeah, you, know, you could you could go there and get home field or not. I don't really care, they say. The Yankees will win the World Series regardless. And some people say, no, they have to get home field. And I won't argue with them either. I definitely hear both sides. Here I am again playing both sides, making for the least entertaining radio possible. <laughs> so, so as for the last week of Yankees gameplay, let's move on to this now. As for the last week, of course, this last week the Yankees have bounced back since that sweep in Oakland. Things have been much better. Great week of Yankees baseball after they sealed the victory to take the series last weekend in L.A. last Sunday, which was a big deal, of course. The Yankees definitely made a statement on the road against the Dodgers. That was definitely a huge deal. They went on to Seattle and swept the Mariners as they should have, and with two great walk-off victories, especially today, the Yanks take the series against an Oakland team they've had struggles against, but they pulled out two very nice wins against them these last two days. So in the last week, they ended their West Coast trip very nicely after the rough start to it, returned home, and had a crazy series against Oakland. Fun stuff? Really fun stuff. And the hunt for home field advantage continues, and ironically, that is the title of this week's episode, the hunt for home field. As the Yanks still lead the pack with the best record in baseball after their win today, they stayed a game ahead of Houston for the best record with their victory against the A's today, and LA is playing right now, and also, you know... They're behind the Yankees for the best record, and they've struggled against the D-backs a lot this weekend as they'll be swept in four games if they lose to them again today. Which is a big deal because you don't really expect a team like the Dodgers to have that much trouble with with the D-backs. <laughs> it's kind of shocking, and right now I'm looking at the score. The D-backs are leading them 3-2 to two in the 7th. So if the Diamondbacks win again today, that's they're pushing the Dodgers down more and helping the Yankees out. I mean, I think ultimately it's going to come down to the Yankees and the Astros for the best record in baseball, which it could change. I mean, it could come down to the Yankees and Dodgers or Houston and the Dodgers. Who knows? But it's definitely a big help for the Yankees that the Diamondbacks are taking care of the Dodgers. going to sweep them this weekend in four games. Wow. (laughs) That's just wild. I'm just looking at the score right now. And time is winding down for the Dodgers to make a comeback in this game. It's the seventh inning. But then again, the Yankees were down 4-0 today in the eighth, and they won. So who knows? I am not going to count out a team like the Dodgers with that kind of skill. But as far as the struggles against Oakland, listen... And I and I got it not really not really into an argument on Twitter. I got into a couple of mature debates. I really don't like to argue on Twitter, like those really those really immature, low blow type arguments. I usually never get into any, any of those. There's just no need for them. But really I just had some discussions with people and and I get that the Yankees are obviously gonna have their rough games of the year. I mean, I know enough about baseball to know that no team can win every game and they're gonna have their struggles, whether it be against a good team or a bad team. I get it. It's part of baseball, and that's the beauty of it in a 162 game roller coaster of a season. Any team could lose to any team at any time, no matter how good or bad the opposition is. I get that. And I wasn't worried at all about the Yankees as far as the playoff stature, where they are, the playoff picture. I think the Yankees are set to go with that. The only reason I was going nuts about Oakland and struggling against Oakland is because they're very well a team the Yankees could run into in the first round of the playoffs, in the American League Division Series. And I think it's important to send a message that, hey, you can beat this team. I mean, especially after the way things ended today, it's a great thing, the message that they sent to the A's, even though they lost the, the, the series in the six games, they lost four out of the six, but still, that's how you want to end your seeing them for the rest of the year in case you are to run into them in the first round saying, hey, this is how we beat you the last time. Try not to let it haunt you or anything. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) But, you know, it's just a little concerning when your team struggles a bit against a team that is good, but in my opinion, is not great. I don't think the A's are a great team. I think they have good players, and I think they're good. I don't think they're great, which is why their extreme struggles against them for a while prior to these two big wins, and even before they had these comebacks in these last two games... It was really mind-boggling to me and and baffling to me and many other Yankee fans as I saw as to what the struggle is against Oakland. I mean, against pitchers like Homer Bailey especially. I mean, I get the last month and a half or so, Homer Bailey's been a different pitcher. He's developed his splitter much more, and he's a different guy. But I personally need to see more from him to believe that he's the real deal. And until I see much, much more of that, I'm not going to believe it because I have reason to believe that Homer Bailey just isn't a good pitcher. Look at his entire resume, been in the league for 13 years, he's maybe had a season or two that's been mediocre at best. He's a career bad pitcher. Yeah, I, I won't doubt that he's been much better lately, it's, it's, a, it's a statistical fact that he's been better lately, the last month and a half. But the last month and a half compared to the last 13 years, I'm sorry, I think I need to be, I think I need to see a little bit more of you to really take you for real. So, I just really didn't understand the struggle against Homer Bailey for that reason. Because I just... I, I guess I haven't fully taken him seriously yet after I've seen him just be awful for so many years. Basically, all my years as a baseball fan. I started first watching baseball in 07 and 08. Which is basically when Homer Bailey started. 07 was his first year. <laughs> so, I just hope my reasoning makes a bit of sense there. And it just—it just it just didn't make much sense to me. The struggling. I mean... Again, Oakland, to me, good team, not great. And I do get that teams will have their rough days against certain other teams. The Astros didn't even necessarily have an easy time against the Blue Jays this weekend. But again, the Blue Jays are a different story because they're not in wild card or playoff at all contention. The A's are a team that the Yankees could run into in the first round. And that's why I want to have some assurance that, hey, the Yankees could beat this team if they came across them this year. So these last two days have been Refreshing for myself and many other Yankee fans, of course. The whole world wasn't going to end if they lost this series and got swept at Yankee Stadium. Would it have felt crappy? Of course it would have. wouldn't have been the end of the world, though. Especially because, of course, in the playoffs, it's a totally different world. I get all of that. You don't have to explain that stuff to me. But with a team that has given you trouble, that you know that you could very well run into in the American League Division Series, you want to see your team go, hey, we could beat these guys. And they did to finish off the weekend, and that's appreciated. And at least if the Yankees did run into the A's, you know that the Yankees would have home field advantage, which is a big thing, because playing in Oakland is basically like playing in a house of horrors for the Yankees. It's like it's, it's horrible. It's a nightmare. <laughs> so that, that's basically how I feel about that, the struggling against Oakland. Annoying, but at least the series finished off good in Yankee Stadium. That's what's important. But again, of course, glad the series ended the way that it did. And if the Yankees would have lost a series as far as the playoffs are looking, as I said before... You know, the Yanks are set. Was never the issue here. And all of that is fine. Things would have been different with the best record in Major League Baseball, though, as the Yanks would be tied with Houston today if they would have lost. But again, still a lot of time to determine all of that as far as the best record in baseball is concerned with the whole month of September still to play. So again, it just goes back to wanting to send a decent message to the A's. That's that's basically all I was trying to say earlier. But hey, the A's put up a good fight. I'll give them that. They put up a very good fight. They did. So... Now that just basically the general consensus of what happened in the last week and how I feel about this past series against the A's is out in the open, let's get to the weekly recap where we go over every game somewhat in-depth that the Yankees have played in the last week since I last spoke to you. Of course, we know that during the last episode of Yapping Yankees, the Yankees game and the Dodgers game was still going on in LA because I was recording while the game was going on. And the Yankees were already winning in that game. I believe they had just taken the lead towards the end of that episode. So, I'll just give the final score to that. If you recall, last Sunday, the Yankees did leave Los Angeles, as I said earlier, with a victory to take the series. They won 5-1. to one. Herman pitched great. The Yankees got to Kershaw a bit, and they were just able to hold on to take the series. Great job for them. Then they moved on to Seattle. Definitely a team the Yankees should take care of, and they did just that. But nerves were running a little bit high in the first game because of the man who was on the mound for the Yankees, and Jay Happ, who didn't have a terrible start, didn't have great stuff either, as usual. But <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't talk badly about him after the way he threw today. But it, it's just one start, but I don't want to, I don't want to take the credit away from him either. He pitched great against a good uh, against a good Oakland A's team. But in this start in Seattle, five innings, three runs allowed on a big three-run shot. He gave three runs right back after the Yankees jumped out in front against the Mariners. And I was like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> just just giving up runs that the Yankee offense supplies for him. But he made it through five. He got the win. Struck out seven guys. And the Yankees ended up winning the game five to four. But... Here's what actually happened in the game in the top of the second. Glaber Torres hit a solo home run to make it 1-0. Then Austin Romine, RBI single, 2-0 Yankees. Then it was 4-0 on a two-run homer by Mike Ford, who, as we know, with the home run ball, has been going to some serious work in the last week. As we saw continue today with the walk-off against Oakland, he has gone to work, Mike Ford. So it was 4-0, and then the three-run homer that I was talking about earlier that Hap surrendered to put the Mariners right back in the game. Dylan Moore hit it, three-run shot, 4-3 to Yankees. Then it was 5-3 on another Mike Ford home run, a solo shot this time in the top of the fourth, to 5-3, and then it was 5-4 in the bottom of the seventh after Malik Smith went deep with the solo shot. And, of course, that's the score that the Yankees would win by. So Monday went well for the Yankees. They'd move on to Tuesday where Tanaka would be on the mound. Tanaka Tuesday it was in Seattle. And it was definitely Tanaka Tuesday. Seven shutout innings, seven strikeouts. Was able to lower that ERA a bit more. Definitely a solid start for him. And Kikuchi, the Yankees were able to get all over him. Right away in the top of the first, Aaron Judge. Two-run shot to make a 2 nothing. right after DJ let off the game with a hit. And then in the top of the third, it was 5 nothing on a three-run shot by Brett Gardner. So, of course, the Yankees just piled on fairly quickly. Austin Romine, RBI ground out 6-0. And then Austin Romine walked with the bases loaded to make it 7-0. And behind a brilliant start, as I said earlier, by Masahiro Tanaka. That was the game. Yankees won 7-0. Easy victory in the middle game in Seattle. And they would move on to Wednesday. Where, again, the Yankees would score seven runs. And they would win 7-3. On the mound was James Paxton. Didn't have his best stuff again, but... He has definitely turned it around a bit, and that is all that matters. Definitely good to see James Paxton flashing some of, of his old self again. He only allowed two runs, went five innings, struck out four. ERA down to 439 after this start. As far as what the Yankee offense did to win the game by a score of 7-3, two-run shot by Gary Sanchez to make it 2-0 right away in the top of the first, so again scoring early. Then Kyle Seager with a two-run shot to make it 2-2. Tied the game in the bottom of the fourth. Then the Yankees jumped out in front again, 3-2 in the top of the fifth. Another solo shot by Mike Ford. For the love of God, Mike Ford. <laughs> then it was 4-2 after an RBI single by DJ LeMayhew. And then it was 6-2 after after a two-run shot by Aaron Judge. after a solo shot by DJ LeMahieu in the top of the ninth, And then the bottom of the ninth, the Mariners would just tack on one more in an RBI single by Dylan Moore to make it 7-3, and the Yankees would win by that very score. As I said earlier, 7-3. They would sweep Seattle, feeling good coming home to face the Oakland A's, who they had gotten swept by a week prior in Oakland. And we would see how things would turn out on Friday night, the first game of the series, because of course on Thursday the Yankees had an off day. So, they would come home on Friday, face the Oakland A's, and things would not go well. Fortunately, I missed this game because I was at the wedding of a good friend of mine. Congratulations to her and her husband, my friend Shauna and her husband Sam, by the way. Congratulations to them. Definitely an incredible wedding, lots of fun. And thank you also amongst all the fun distracting me from watching this disastrous Yankees game on Friday night. So, this game left obviously a lot of Yankee fans not feeling confident in the Yankees' chances against the A's. I mean, if you weren't feeling confident in the Yankees' chances in general after this, I don't know what to tell you because at the end of the day, as I said earlier, when explaining my my feelings towards the struggles against Oakland. It had nothing to do with my feelings against the Yankees in the playoffs or their chances to make the playoffs at all. I know all that is basically set. You know, so it's its just a matter of wanting to send a message to the team that you are you could ha- definitely meet in the first round of the postseason. So I understand in that sense people just being a little bit worried. Like, hey, we, we're having trouble beating this team even once and we could face them in the first round. Like, I, I could understand people thinking that. I can. Even if some of you think that's ridiculous for people to even remotely think that, I don't think it's completely ridiculous. So the first game, of course, CC would take the mound against Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson, definitely another person that you should probably hit pretty well. The Yankees did not. Brett Anderson definitely had himself a quality start. Two only two runs allowed in six innings. Lowered his ERA to 404 and CeCe's about the start started the game for the Yankees. Only allowed a run, struck out two and three innings, but that was because he got taken out of the game because of some more knee issues. CeCe has is obviously, for the last number of years, been haunted with knee problems, and it has only been that much more severe in his final season. As far as what I think of him in this season, I, I, I really do think he's done. And you know that I'm not being a piece-of-crap Yankee fan because... If you listen to me at all, or if you know about any of my takes, whether it be on the podcast or on Twitter or whatever, you would know that I am a CC supporter. I do really, really love CC. I have a great amount of respect for him for everything he has done for this organization over the last decade or so. I really do. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the big man. But there comes a point in time where you're not being an ass for being realistic. And I, I'm just being realistic. I think CC's done. I mean, could he have a role in the playoffs where he goes long relief in the bullpen and still has big moments in the postseason? Of course he can, and I wouldn't be opposed to it, as long as it's limited, because you can't afford to throw him out there and start, you know, unless you desperately need him to, for whatever reason. But you can't really afford to risk that because of the kind of season he's had. You don't want to play around with that in the postseason. You just don't. But could he have a role? Sure he can in the postseason especially in the bullpen maybe as long relief. I think that'd be a fine role and I don't see a problem with that. He would still be he would still be playing a factor in, in, in the team. I just think that as far as this season and as far as his skill. I'm glad that the last 2 years have been great for him in 2017 2018 he did not have bad numbers at all. He was actually he was actually getting better and better but this year he he clearly has fallen off fallen off ERA wise just runs wise overall. And, you know, with the knee issues, it's just, it's falling apart. It's sad to watch. CC's up there in age, for an athlete, of course, not in reality. 30, 38, 39 is very young, of course, but for an athlete, you're getting up there. It's sad to watch, of course, and I don't enjoy seeing it. But it doesn't hurt anyone to be realistic. It really doesn't. I just think he doesn't have anything left in the tank. And that's totally fine. I don't expect him to go out there and and pitch like he did 10 years ago. It's whatever. As long as he can still have somewhat of a role in this team's success going forward, that's more than enough for me. And I feel bad for him because I know that his spirit, his spirit wants to keep on going out there and do well. Pitch great all the time, but his body won't let him and it really is a shame with some athletes especially when they're much younger than CeCe, even if they have to retire because of injury it's a shame when the body goes before the when the body goes before the heart and it's something that happens a lot to a lot of athletes it's an unfortunate truth look at andrew luck just announces his retirement over over you know just being done with injuries it happens it's the life of an athlete so I just hope CC, in some form or another can have can have a role. But honestly, I, I it pains me to say it, but I do think he's done. I mean, it's painfully evident. And if you're just totally ignoring it at this point, I just think you're in denial. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry if we don't align on this. Sorry if we don't agree. We can agree to disagree. But I, I just think he's done. Sucks to have to say it. But again, more knee troubles taken out of the game early for this. And the Yankees did not have a good game; they just didn't. Jerickson Profar, top of the second, solo shot, one nothing A's. D.D. grounded into a force out, but a run came home to tie the game in the bottom of the third, tied the game at one. Then Mike Talkman grounded into into a double play, though, and Luke Voigt scored on the double play to make it two one Yankees. So not exactly the way you want to drive in a run if you're Talkman, but a run came home. It's two to one Yankees. you saying okay. They're, they're, they're in this, definitely. They have the lead. Then Seth Brown drove in a run on an RBI double. Then it was 2-2, two to two, and then after this, it all just fell apart. Tommy Canely, who was the same guy that Seth, Seth Brown got his RBI double off of, just didn't have it. And if you got really mad at Tommy Canely, I don't know what to tell you. Tommy Kainley has been a major savior for this team all year long, an unexpected comeback player, especially after he had such a struggle last year with his dead arm and everything. Everything working against him definitely came into the season with a huge chip on his shoulder, and everything he's been able to do has been extraordinary this year, and I don't understand anyone that attacked him severely for not having his stuff on Friday night. God forbid he doesn't have his stuff for one time. He's been incredible. But then the, the struggles for him would continue in the top of the sixth. Jerickson Profar would give the A's a 4-2 to lead on a, on a two-run double, and then Mark Canna after that of Corey Guerin, RBI triple, 5-2 A's, then it was 6-2 A's on a Seth Brown RBI single, then it was 7-2 on a Marcus Semyon solo shot, and then 8-2 on another RBI single by Seth Brown, just killed Yankees pitching. Just The pitching was not on the money, and the offense was quiet. Not a fun night for the Yankees on Friday. But then fortunately yesterday and today, much more fun days. <laughs> yesterday, if we look back on it, Herman again, another pretty good start. Five innings, two runs, struck out five, ERA 4.01. Did not get a decision because of the extra inning victory. Had no, he had no say in in the win or loss. He was not a part of it because obviously the game ended well after he was done. And then again, what I was talking about earlier, Yankees having struggled a bit against Homer Bailey went five and two thirds, just gave up two runs and struck out nine people. So a good start by Homer Bailey. Gary Sanchez, in the bottom of the second, started off the scoring with a solo shot, made it 1-0, Yankees. Then it was 2-1 Oakland after Matt Olson two-run shot, put the A's ahead in the top of the fourth. Matt Olson really was a thorn in the Yankees' side at a lot of times in this series. Not a fun guy to deal with. Then Gary Sanchez again. Seemed like for more than half the game, Gary Sanchez was the only one that came to play yesterday. Hit another solo shot, tied the game at 2 then it was 3-2 to after Matt Chapman gave the A's the lead again. RBI double for him. Robbie Grossman came home to score. 3-2 A's. Then the Yankees retied the game in the bottom of the eighth after someone else finally shows up. Mr. Aaron Judge, who's staying red hot, ties the game at three with a solo shot in the bottom of the eighth. And then things would stay quiet for a while after that. 3-3. Lots of, lots of innings in yesterday's game were just absolutely agonizing. Even in innings where runs were not allowed by Yankee pitching. Whether it be, you know... Chapman in the ninth, or Britton having to leave the game with cramps, and then wh- whatever <laughs> Corey Gearin getting to a little bit of trouble, maybe in X ex- in the two innings he pitched. But I got to tell you, he probably pitched better than anybody yesterday. <laughs> and then in the bottom of the eleventh, DJ LeMahieu solo shot to walk the game off, four to three, Yankees win big victory. And then the Yankees would come into today looking to take the series and send a message to the team that they've been struggling against lately and could possibly meet in the first round, and they did just that. With j Happ on the mound, who would have seen it coming? j Happ, six innings, shutout, five strikeouts, did, did allow four walks, but hey, didn't come back to bite him, got out of some pretty big jams, did a great job. Sean Minai in this game, coming back from injury, definitely also great start for him. The Yankees, of course, won this game 5-4, but let's go through it. First off, in the in the top of the seventh, there was no scoring going on prior to this. We're jumping right to the seventh. Pitcher's duel between Minaya and Hap and then the bullpen's after that. Sheldon Noyce, RBI two-run double, rather. A two-run double for him to make a two-nothing A's in the seventh inning. And then Josh Fegley, RBI ground out, three-nothing A's. And then Matt Olsen solo shot 4-0 A's in the top of the 8th. And at this point, with how the Yankee offense just seemed to have been kind of sleepwalking through the game again prior to this, you're saying, oh, I mean, Yankees, there's no way they're scoring four or more runs the way they've played the first seven innings of this game. And they lose a series. Not the case. Not the case. Bottom of the 8th. Bases loaded, nobody out. labor Torres hits a sack fly to make it 4-1 A's. Didi Gregorius... Two-run single, right under Marcus Semyon's glove at shortstop into center field. Four to three A's. Then it was four to four after Gardner in the bottom of the ninth tied the game up against Liam Hendricks, who, by the way, has been a phenomenal closer this year in 70-some-odd innings this year. Only allowed two home runs. And he allowed two home runs alone in the bottom of the ninth inning today against the Yankees. Brett Gardner leads off the inning. Solo shot. Four to four. And then right after him, Mike Ford. Built Ford, tough, baby. Solo shot. Walks the game off right after Gardner hits his home run. A back-to-back in the belly-to-belly, as John Sterling says. And the Yankees win 5-4. So even though they lost the season series to them these last six games, you know, they lost four out of the six. But regardless, the Yankees win the last series against them at Yankee Stadium. And the last game sends a strong message to the A's saying, hey, look how we beat you these last two days. We might see you in the ALDS. See you then, pals. (laughs) But speaking of John Sterling, legendary calls to end the game with Mike Ford's solo shot to walk it off and Brett Gardner's before his. The energy in the stadium was high. The energy around all Yankee fans was extreme. Tons of fun. And I do want to play back the audio for it because it was a lot of fun to listen to. And... It was just a blast. The bottom of the ninth was a blast. And also credit to Tommy Canely for being electric factory in the bullpen after both Brett Gardner and Mike Ford hit their home runs. After Brett Gardner, you saw Tommy Canely just like running a lap around the pen, being so happy, and then just running back inside. And then after Mike Ford hit his hit his walk-off shot, right after Gardner hit his game-tying shot, you saw Tommy Canely just dart right out again, running around like a maniac, jumping off the glass. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Oh, my God, it's so funny. This team sometimes is a electric factory. Such funny content by them. So let, let me take you back. I'll play some audio right now of John Sterling calling Brett Gardner's game-tying shot and the walk-off shot in courtesy of mobcom slash Yankees and the fan, of course. Here is John Sterling's calls of both Brett Gardner's game-tying shot and Mike Ford's walk-off homer. So the
1: closer, Liam Hendricks out, trying to complete a five-out save. Swung on and hit in the air to deep right. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone to tie the game. Let the Guardy party begin. He takes Hendricks over the right field wall. Guardy goes yardy. He homers to tie the game how quickly it changes. Now the Yankees go for the win. Now Here comes a three two to Ford. Swung on and hit in the air to right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. Oh ninth inning walk off home run by Mike Ford to win the ball game the second straight day the Yankees have had a walk off home run they win it 5-4 oh there's a Ford in the Yankees future
0: it was awesome right just so so cool what a game it was so so exciting what a game it was so great (laughs) so guys that's your weekly recap that's what's been going on in the last week so in the last week since I last spoke to the Yankees have only lost once Definitely an exciting week as the Yankees still are continuing to push for home field. This episode appropriately appropriately named, of course, Hunt for Home Field, as they continue to hunt for it. And they're leading the pack right now as we stand on September 1st. So, the, la- the second to last segment, of course, before the outro, before we end the show, as always, of course, is what is ahead standings around baseball wild card standings what is the deal going on around the league what's doing so let's start in the AL east of course so the yankees of course are leading the east by far 10 games over tampa right now with a 90 and 48 record 10 games over tampa 16 games over boston and of course toronto and baltimore way way out of it and then in the NL in the AL central the Minnesota Twins finding themselves with a healthy lead yet again over the Indians. Of course, we know how how exciting the Indians made it for a while there in the AL Central when the the they were trailing the Twins by what? Like 11 games at one point in June, July and then they just they just like resurged, hit a massive hot streak. Just really caught up to the Twins. And then I think even for a very short time, maybe maybe even took a, a half a game or a game lead in the division. They were, they were flipping back and forth within a game of each other. And now the Twins are getting some separation again. Five and a half games over the Indians. And then, of course, in that division, the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, way back after that. Over in the AL West, the Houston Astros who won the game against Toronto today, won two out of three over the weekend against them. And again, congratulations to Justin Verlander on his no-hitter today. They lead the Oakland A's, who just lost to the Yankees today, by 10 games. And then the Rangers, who are coming to town next against the Yankees, are the Rangers, the Angels, and the Mariners, just all way out of it. And then over in the National League, in the NL East, the Atlanta Braves, Still the pretty comfortable lead in first place over the Washington Nationals, five games over them, 12.5 over Philly, 13 over the Mets, who are yet to play tonight, so that could change. And of course, the only team really out of it in the NL East is the Miami Marlins, so they are where they are. Now on the NL Central. We've seen some separation in this division now after weeks and weeks of such close standings in this division. The St. Louis Cardinals now have taken somewhat of control of the division, three and a half over the Cubs and six and a half over the Milwaukee Brewers. Then the Reds, uh, the Reds are thirteen and a half back, and the Pittsburgh Pirates are just out of it, seventeen and a half, seventeen back. And the Cardinals again, just taking somewhat of control of the division that has been such a close race for so long now. So maybe we'll start start to see some separation in that division. And I would say the NL Central is probably the most... It's been the most exciting race in any division all year long, I would say. It has been really close between the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Cardinals for most of the season. Three-way race makes for some exciting baseball. And then, of course, in the NL West, probably the least competitive division for the whole year, of course... The Dodgers are in first place, 17 games ahead of the second place Diamondbacks, 20 and a half against the third place Giants. You get the message. The Dodgers are running away with the division. They have been for many months. That's the message there. <laughs> As for the wild card races, very close in the American League. As of today after the results, Tampa Bay, this is just flipped now because all three of the teams that are fighting for the second or first wild card in Tampa, Cleveland and Oakland, they're all within a half a game of each other. It's crazy. So, like, one day, depending on who wins and loses, they could all just flip-flop, and that's what happened today. Before today, Cleveland was a half a game up in the first wild card over Oakland, and Tampa was a half a game back of the second wild card. Now, after today, Tampa has the first wild card, a half a game over Cleveland, and now Oakland's a half a game out of the second wild card. (laughs) Crazy. So that race is nowhere near over, especially because you know there's a whole month left to play in this month of September. That race ought to be exciting. I cannot wait to see how that race finishes off. And of course, the Red Sox are five and a half games out of the second wild card right now. Everybody else is way out of it, starting with the Rangers, who are 12 and a half back of the second wild card. Over in the National League, their wild card picture. The Nationals have seen, seen some separation with the first wild card now at four and a half games up on the second wild card team, the Cubs. Who lost for their second night in a row. They have the possession of the second wild card still. And these standings could change because, again, the Phillies and the Mets are yet to play each other tonight. They are on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. They actually should have started a couple of minutes ago. So I'll turn that game on after I finish recording this show. And the Phillies are three games right now. Again, this is before their game with the Mets is officially concluded tonight. And same applies for the Mets, of course. They're three games behind the second wild card team, the Cubs. As well, the same thing, also three games behind the Cubs are the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. And as of now, three and a half games behind the Cubs is also the Mets. So, also, the National League wild card race remains close as well. For much of the season, both wild card races have been a lot of fun and very exciting. Very close. Again, makes for, for some exciting baseball. Definitely a good thing. So, let's look at what's ahead for the Yankees for the next week. Tomorrow, they welcome in the Texas Rangers, and because of Labor Day, tomorrow, of course, many teams will be playing will be playing day games, and the Yankees are one of them. The Yankees and Rangers will be, Rangers will be playing tomorrow at 1.05 p.m. Eastern against the Texas Rangers in the Bronx. Mike Miner will be facing off against Masahiro Tanaka. And then on Tuesday will be the second game against the Rangers, starting at 6.35 p.m. Eastern and your pitching matchup is as follows. It will be James Paxton for the Yankees and Ariel Girado for the Rangers. 6.35 p.m. Eastern again for that game. And also on Wednesday, also at 6.35 p.m. Eastern, the Yankees and Rangers, they will be concluding their three-game series in the Bronx. Lance Lynn is announced to start for the Rangers, but right now the Yankees have not announced a starter for that day, Wednesday p.m. Eastern. Again, that will conclude their series. The Yankees then have a day off on Thursday. And then on Friday, they head to Boston. So they will have a weekend series in Boston against the Red Sox. This one going from Friday to Monday. I know, very strange. But that's what's going on. It will start off on Friday, 7.10 p.m. Eastern. will be the first game against the Red Sox at Fenway. Then the second game will be at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern at Fenway. Sunday, the third game will be at 8.05 p.m. Eastern in Boston for the third game, and then the fourth game on Monday, September 9th, the Yankees will play the Red Sox once more at Fenway, again at 7.10 p.m. Eastern time, And, and I know that technically when I say on Monday, I'm going beyond, you know, I'm going beyond the next week for what's ahead, but since it's the same series, since it's stretching from from Friday to Monday, I figure just, you know, just say the rest of the series. <laughs> Even though I'll still be talking about it, you know, I'll still be mentioning that game on what's next, what's ahead for next week's episode. So, that is what's ahead for the next week or so for the New York Yankees. We will see how they, how they face off against those teams, the Rangers, the Red Sox, we'll see how they do. The one thing, of course, the most important thing that the Yankees are playing for right now, as we all know, is for home field advantage throughout the postseason, which even though we all know that the Yankees are capable of winning on the road, they definitely are. Their road record is nothing bad at all either. But of course, the Yankees, you can't deny it, are a different team at Yankee Stadium. The atmosphere in the Bronx, without a doubt, pushes the Yankees to do even better than on a casual day on the road, and it it would definitely help them. I don't think anyone can deny that. So they continue to fight for home field advantage as the postseason draws closer. But for now, I'm afraid that is all the time that we do have on Yapping Yankees. We have hit on just about everything. So I do want to thank you so, so much, as always, for listening. One last shout-out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature... Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content. And I also do want to thank all of you that vote on the polls each and every week and reply. Your, you know, your interaction with me is much appreciated, as always. You are a part of this podcast, too, and I love to give you shout-outs and address your comments on the podcast to see what's on the mind of Yankee fans. And, you know, you're you're a part of it. I want your voice to be a part of it. And through the polls is how I do it, and I think it's a fun way to interact. So we're going to keep up doing that every week for now. But along with following Team Left Jab on all social medias and all that jazz, be sure to follow me on all social medias as well, starting with Facebook, my fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Be sure to go like that page. On Twitter... Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm nearing 1,900 followers. We'll be at 2,000 eventually. That'll be big. And of course, you know, if you know me at all, that Twitter is a platform that I am disgustingly active on. So be sure to go follow me on there, at Mike Scudero. You can DM me any questions, comments, concerns that you have. You will get a shout-out on the podcast. I'll address it. Or, of course, you could just continue to vote and interact, comment on the polls that I put out every week on both Twitter and Instagram, which will also lead to you getting a shout-out, as you know. And speaking of Instagram, be sure to follow me on that as well. MikeScuds97, be sure to follow me on Instagram as well. So once again, this is something that I'll be saying at the end of every Yapping Yankees podcast because of my diehard Marvel fandom. (laughs) I just can't help myself. So once again, thank you 3,000 for listening. I just love Iron Man so much. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. So thank you, 3000, for listening today. I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 8th, when I come at you with episode 12 of Yapping Yankees. And most importantly, never forget to keep watching baseball and keep being a savage. Take care, guys.